word this morning. Acts chapter 6 is where I'm going to read. Today we're going to talk about people. Say people. people. Yeah. Let's talk about people. They're sitting next to you. It's the person sitting next to you we're going to talk about today. The people next to you. All right. Acts chapter 6. People are awesome, aren't they? That was actually sarcastic. (laughs) People can be awesome, but they also can really get on your skin too, can they? People. If sometimes, if you ever wake up in the morning or go sometime or something happens at work, at home, and you just go, people. Let, Let me tell you, you're not, you're in good company because even God at one point said, teach people. There's a time says he even regretted that he made man. God said that. So you're not too bad. Don't feel bad. If you ever say, oh, geez, people, you know, don't feel bad. So I want to read a little story. I want to talk about people a little bit here. Acts chapter 6. You got it? If you got it, say amen. amen. If you haven't found it, say amen. amen. All right. Well, then I'll read it to you. But as the number of disciples was multiplying, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complain about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in their daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting and all the, of, of all the believers. They say, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we, the apostles, can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. And teaching the word. Everyone liked the idea and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, who was an early convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them. As they lay hands on them. So the message, God's message of God's word spread. The number of believers multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your words is not just words on a page. But the word of God is a living word. And we pray today, God, that you will give us ears to hear. Like your word declares, let him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, I ask that you you give us ears to hear what the Spirit is speaking to us today, God. Give us minds that are alert, hearts that are receptive and open to you. Let the word not return to you void today. And I ask, Lord, that in my life and in everybody's life here today, that the word will accomplish in them the purpose for which you sent it. In Jesus' mighty name. And all the who believe say amen. amen. You know, God's word is a living word. And, and the funny, the awesome thing about this, is it, be, it only is living if the spirit of God is inside of you. Because if the spirit of God is not inside of you, then it's just like any other word. It could be just stories and it could be just words on our pages or any other, any, it could be like news or, or any other talk. 
But it's the Spirit of God that brings activity. It's the Spirit of God that brings the power of God into, the, uh, into, into His Word. And you can read something simple, and the Spirit of God can open something up to you that you need for that very moment. You're like, so timely. You cannot plan it any other way. You can read stuff that you've read before, but the Spirit of God, when He comes in, He just opens a light. And you're like, wow, how come I never saw that? Oh, I did see that, but I never thought of it to be applicable that way. I believe that the Lord's got a word for you today. And I believe that the Lord wants to propel us into, into new destiny. It's amazing that we are already on the second half of 2017. I feel like I just started my year. But I'm here to say to some of you today that the second part of 2017 are going to be better than the first part of 2017. Because God works in a completely different calendar than we do. And he can do more in a moment's time than we could ever hope to accomplish in a lifetime. And I'm praying today that God will give you the faith, he will encourage your faith to move forward in the rest of your year and be determined that you will fulfill what God has assigned for you to fulfill this year and that you will be surprised because welcome, when you're following God, be open to surprises. He will surprise you with good breaks, with healing, with deliverance, with good things, with great success. We read a story here of something that's going on in the church that was actually very awesome. Before, before you read what we read here, what led to the food program? Well, the Spirit of God was moving in the early church. We, we read in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit came upon them and, and, they, and, and, and phenomenal stuff began to happen. Many people were coming to the Lord. In fact, uh, uh, the first time Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people were added to the Lord. And you keep reading a few verses later, uh, they preach another someone and 5,000 people are added to the Lord. And people keep going on and on and more people, the word spreading about Jesus. People are getting saved left and right. Oh, people of all backgrounds are getting saved. And this awesome community of believers was starting to build up. And you see in the ends of Acts chapter 2, I'm just giving you a narrative to get to this point. Um, people, there was this uh, move of, uh, of generosity that was so incredible that people were selling real estate property and giving money to, to, to the church. And, uh, and they were helping everybody that needed help. And, uh, and it was amazing. People were watching us and saying, what kind of people are these? That's how Christianity began. It was an, a phenomenal community of people who found faith in Jesus Christ. And nothing else in life mattered more than that. They were willing to put anything on the line just to continue to, to, to advance the message of the gospel. And so when you get to Acts chapter 5, ministry has really gotten really awesome and, 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 and they're touching people. They're touching people spiritually. Miracles were happening. Um, people are getting touched, uh, even uh, physical needs, and they were really looking out for the orphans. You know, the Bible does talk about the orphans and the widows. God's heart is always moved towards the orphans and, and, and the widows. And, and, and they were looking out for all orphans and all widows. And, uh, and part of the thing it was the food distribution. And all this money that the apostles were receiving, they were distributing it and making sure that everybody is taken care of. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like there was no believer that wasn't being, his, their needs are not being met because there was such an awesome spirit of generosity. And you would think in an environment like that, 
all you could have is serenity and tranquility, and it will be absolutely fabulous. And then we read, But as the number of believers began was multiplying, there were rumblings of discontent. Great things are happening. You think things will be phenomenal. Oh, dish. Hey, Brian. You know, I know the Lord's good. He's good all the time, you know. That Pastor Chris, you know. You know, pray for him. So that's, that, that's how we gossip as believers. We don't go in because, like, you know, gossip is wrong. But, you know, I, brother, I got something for you. You know, I, I really have a prayer request. You know, if you could pray with me. You know, that Pastor Chris, you know, we need to pray for that brother. He's got a problem, but, you know, God, 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 God's going to help him if we pray. Already, you're already gossiping, but you're baptizing it in Christianese, so it's kind of nice. There were rumblings of discontent, of unhappiness, dissatisfaction. And people, what's going around? I, I, have you ever found yourself, you're working hard, you're doing all that you can do, you're doing good. You're doing good. You're, you're sacrificing. And you get a slap on the face when you're trying to just do good and help people. How many live in a world like that? People. Just say it with me. People. Mothers that sacrifice and live to get your teenage kid. The things they know more. I'm not picking on you if you're a teenage kid. But isn't it sad to see a, a child curse their parent? Because they don't recognize... Um, well, they, they, they recognize that the parent is human and is weak. But they overlook all the other sacrifices that the parents put on the line. Everybody say people. You might be the guy at work that does all the work, but you never get any credit. Can I hear people? So a lot of good is going on, but people are still people. And this was one of those things that was potentially could actually split the movement. God is moving in a phenomenal way. And you know, if they would have, uh, could have been distracted by this, some of these apostles, none of them, they're all volunteers. They would have like, you know, we've been sweating, we've given all our lives to this, and this is what we get unappreciative, all you could do is complain. We're doing the best we could ever do. Not getting paid by no one to do this. Out of the goodness of our heart, we're doing this. And people are still complaining. And they could have quit. And you know, churches split over those types of things. Many times when people go apart, if you really investigate and go to the bottom of it, Usually it's not something very big. But you know, because there is an adversary who is an opportunist, Satan recognizes this about people and he takes full advantage of it. And he seizes on the opportunity and he brings discord. 
It happens in marriages. Because marriages are built off. Come on. And Satan's been around people for a long time. He's been around people more than you and I have. And he knows us. And he takes advantage of those opportunities. The Bible says that the enemy, John 10.10, comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. His purpose, he has a mission. He gets an opportunity. He seizes the opportunity. He says that he rolls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he might devour. He pounces, takes advantage of it. And people keep breaking apart. He destroys marriages, families, churches, countries, nations, because of people. We are a funny creature. This church will be a perfect church if there were no people. How many know that it wouldn't be a church if there were no people? We love him. We hate him. We need him. The driver's nuts. We need him. No, it's about people though. And, uh, and it's not a unique situation. So they take advantage of this situation. And they decide, okay, time out. Let's regroup here. You know, we were called to preach the gospel. That's why all these people are coming. That's how all these people are coming to faith. That's how all these people are getting saved. And they turned it around. And obviously, they select some people to do their work. And, 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 and something very interesting with their passage. Up until you get to chapter 6 of Acts, you read about... The Lord added to the church, Acts chapter 2. And when Peter kept preaching to them, they said, Peter, what shall we do? He's telling them about Jesus and how he came and how they crucified him and how he rose from the dead and how God has anointed him. And people goes like, wow. I was like, Peter, what are we going to do now? Peter says, you know, you all need to repent. You need to be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit just like we have. And he says that the Lord added 3,000 to them that day. And you keep reading every chapter there on, God keep adding to the church. But in chapter 5, they take a shift. He went from adding to multiplying. So the number of believers begin, he says, uh, first is the number of believers began to multiply. Verse 7 says, and the number of believers multiplied greatly. There was a shift. And I see a few things that I'm going to just give you real quick here. These are not points. Just to kind of highlight some of the reasons why the apostles who were called to preach the gospel and to pray were spending, you know, we all get 24-7. You know that. Some of you use it a lot. Some of you don't use it. But we all get the same time. Sun rises on the just and the unjust same time they were spending a lot of time doing all the other work which was good work of helping people but they weren't spending as much time in prayer and the word not because they didn't believe in it it's because the work needed to be done the work still needed to be done and they realized that we neglected our call because what we've created here is an is a <clears throat> environment where people come in to get their own thing and go home, get what they need. So we created 
an audience and the real ministers. And the people just came to be served. And that's when the rumblings begin to happen. Because people that are coming to be served are picky. They're picky. Servants are not picky. But people are coming to be served are picky. I hired somebody to move my piano from one room to the basement so we could finish our floor. And it was not fun. They did not know what they were doing. I'm not going to mention the company because I'm not here to shut any company down. But I will not let them get away with it. They almost broke that thing. I said, why did you advertise that this is your expertise when you don't know anything there is to know about moving piano? My wife, I wasn't at home. My wife questioned them. Say, hey, aren't you going to take this out? I was like, oh. It's like, we move pianos a lot of times. But you know, because they're there to serve me and I'm paying them for their service, I can expect to receive the service I'm paying for. And I can be picky. If I call a buddy like a Jay, would you help me um, uh, move my piano and realize Jay doesn't know nothing about it. I cannot get mad at Jay for helping me out. Do you know what I'm saying? But you know, the church was never designed to be a place where people come and be served. The church was never be, supposed to be an institution where we attend. The church was supposed to be a family. It says that we are individually members of each, uh, each other. The Bible calls us like the body of Christ. We all contribute to one in one way or the other. You, you, when you are part of a church community, you, are, you, you should be a part of the service. It doesn't say like one part is better than the other. Some are visible. You can be the mouthpiece. But we all need each other. And so at this point, the apostles figured out that all they were doing is serving people. Which was a good thing. How many think serving people is a good thing? But the other people were not serving. They said, well, we need to get this straight. And I think when they take to care of that issue, and they appointed different people, notice, they appointed seven men. Not that those guys did all the work. They said, appoint seven men to be in charge of this work. Which tells me, well, they were just responsible, but many more were included. So, for, But the apostles moving aside a little bit and letting other people, guess what? It helped others rise. And rise they did. You read about Timothy, uh, 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 not, uh, read about, uh, what's his name? Stephen. Because his story goes on and starts the story of Stephen after that. He was an incredible man. Stephen, if I meet, when I go to heaven, I meet Stephen, I'll be like, I, 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 yeah. He humbles you when you look at his life. This guy, the Bible says he was so full of the Spirit. This guy was the perfect picture of Christ. He became so Christ-like. You know, to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. And some of us are like 40% Christ-like, 35% Christ-like. 85% Christ like, and we're just getting changed. And you should be, let the Lord sharpen those edges so that you can be more Christ like, more Christ like, more Christ like, more Christ like. This guy was about 
percent Christ-like. He was not an apostle. He was one of the believers there. But the Bible says, in parentheses, what we read, it says, a man full of the Holy Spirit. What was his job? To serve tables, to distribute food. I said, oh, it doesn't take an anointing to do that. No, it does. You can do anything out there, but when you're doing it for the Lord, it's anointed ministry. It could be just greeting people with your smile. It could be cleaning this house. It could be opening the door. And, 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 and here sometimes it's not just a church. That translates into everywhere we go. The Bible says for everything that we do. It says for everything that you do. Do it with all your heart. Not as unto men, but as unto the Lord. So if you give your heart that way, when you serve even in your job, and you think, I'm serving the Lord, I'm going to do it, with, I'm going to give it the best I got. Whether people recognize it or not, I know that he does. It'll make you a happier person altogether, trust me. Stephen was given that opportunity, and Stephen did rise. This guy was preaching. He was, this is a verse, read for yourselves, chapter 6, chapter 7. It's dedicated to Stephen mostly. Preaching the gospel to people. The Bible says he was performing mighty miracles. And he would end up getting killed for preaching the gospel. Saul of Tarsus. Many scholars believe he was part of the gang that made sure that Stephen would be killed. He got stoned for not doing anything wrong because he was helping people. He was preaching the gospel. He got stoned to death. Let's think. Look, it's very graphic to think about it. A brutal, horrible death. Not a gunshot. That'd be easy. He was stoned to death for not doing anything wrong. And we get wronged all the time. I get wrong all the time. My natural impulses get back at them and the Spirit of God says, Hey, stop it. You could do better. As he's dying, Stephen, he's on the ground dying, thinking, and he's saying to the people, he's saying to the Lord, he's not God, God, they don't know that they're killing your servant. God, they don't know what, he says, God, forgive them. Forgive them, Lord. For they do not know what they are doing. He says the same thing that Jesus said on the cross. I'm saying this guy was perfect. The world could not own him. He could, what, what, he could not live here any longer. He had become so Christ-like that he had to live. I know I would not be saying the Lord forgive them for they not know what they do. Because I had been hit with a smaller hit. And I did not respond that way. Make me more Christ-like. And that came. They were given that opportunity. <clears throat> Our lives are centered around people. The world was made for people. We will be around people. People can be crazy, can be ungrateful. But we're told to love people. We're told to serve people. I want to give you just a couple. I want to draw a couple thoughts that we can apply in our lives. Very, very simple. I'm just going to, it's the easiest message ever because it's pointing out the obvious. 
The first point I want to make today is this, is that people are here to stay. People are here to stay. They're dissatisfied, they're sad, there's disgruntled people, (laughs) those who take advantage of others, those who use people are here to stay. Jeez, Lord, take me to heaven right now. But you know that's not what God wants. God wants people to, to reach people. And we have, like I said earlier, we have an enemy that he takes advantage of that. And he will break even a marriage because he'll take advantage of our problems as being people. And I'll tell you, people come through your life. Some you're thinking, God, why in the world would, did you ever let this person come through my path? My life would have been better off if I had never met them. Oh, yeah, you're being nice now, but you know that's true. You've thought about some people like that. But, you know, the, some people come to your life as a blessing. And some come to your life as a lesson. If you're not learning from it, people are going to here to stay. What are you going to do about it? You've got to change. So you're not going to change, you're not going to change those people. I, we pictured one of the most perfect scenarios of people, humanity, and giving environment, and people are still complaining. The truth is, no matter how good things get, people are still going to complain. There are people that are going to still be dissatisfied. There are people that are going to still find fault at everything you ever try to do. So do you stop? No, of course not. And that's the point. It's not like the people have to, will change. We want them to change. We pray they change. And maybe you are that person that makes, gives people a hard time. Problem is, you can't change them. You have to change you. You have to change how you're reacting to it. Second thing I'm going to make, point I'm going to make here. You see, they're going really quick. With God, obstacles are not a disadvantage. They are an advantage. Oh, come on, you know. With God, obstacles are an advantage. This situation that was taking place in the early church could have thrown a wet, it was like throwing a wet blanket on something great that was happening. And if handled incorrectly, if handled wrong, it could have stopped that awesome movement that was going on. You know how what they say about a bad apple? It can destroy the whole basket, right? And this is one of those things that could have actually put an end to this movement or at least put a lot of dents to it. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But God has the way (laughs) of turning things around that were meant to destroy and causing good to come out of it. The apostles had a lot of choices. They could have quit. They could have said they are. They could have said, even argued down their arguments. They had valid points, probably. 
when people feel like they've been treated unfairly, you can't say that they are irrational. Maybe they are. But that's how they feel. And you're not going to change that. Right? But somehow they turn it around. And they change. And now what the work that they were intent on doing, it went from addition to multiplying. They were very successful. They were successful at what they do. They did. But now, after they changed it around, they excelled. There are situations in your life, you might have obstacles right now that you're facing, and you can't see left from right. You cannot see ahead. You're like, why in the world will this kind of thing happen to me? I tell you, you put it in God's hands. You keep serving God. You keep serving people. The Lord has a way of turning the worst of situations and making it for our good. In fact, the Bible says that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. He does that so well that sometimes, you know, I, 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 when I hit an obstacle in life, I always stop. Sometimes it gets so hard, you're like, the best thing is, this, is to laugh. You say, God, I, I know I'm into something good. Because he has a way of turning situations around. I'm sure you could talk. We could, we could sit here and if we are taking notes, every one of us probably has a story where you had a situation that was really bad that propelled you into something good. Like, I wouldn't be the person I am today had I not gone through those obstacles that I had before. Oh, I wouldn't handle this any better. Do you know that Michael Jordan, <laughs> his high school basketball coach said that he didn't make the cut of the team because he wasn't tall enough to compete. Went home so discouraged. And thinking, he knew in his heart he could play better. But the coach looked at him, high school, says, Man, kid, I know you like basketball. But maybe you should start studying engineering or something like that. And his mom said, you know, Michael, the only thing you got to do really is to prove to the coach that he made a mistake. And the kid started working on his game. And we know Michael Jordan at the end of the story, but if you know that he was cut from his team at high school, that can throw water on you. The most recognized athlete in history. I was like, it's so funny. I see kids are like, that are 12 wearing Michael Jordan's jersey. I'm thinking, you're... You weren't even born when the guy was playing. But that's much of how much imprint he's left on the sport. Time and time again, you could get and look at those obstacles and use it to prove you. I remember uh, when I moved to Lincoln, coming from Kenya, as a, as a, as a kid, a young guy from Kenya with an accent, the first, second question that, well, the first question you always get when people, when people meet you is like, hey, Bell, I'm Bell, I'm Solo. Hey, and where are you from? And then when they are kind of politically, want to be politically correct, not be offensive because I don't care if they, they, they try to make it a little nice and go around it. But that's the second question. But so I go, I go for job interviews and I know, and I'm going for jobs that are service oriented because what, that's what I've done. And I know that the guy's thinking, how, what would the customers be able to understand him? I know they are thinking that. They're not supposed to say that, but they're thinking that. And I'll bring it out in the interview. I say, hey, you know, I know my accent might make you nervous. I just moved from Africa. My Taza was my neighbor. And uh, 
No, I wouldn't say that. But you know what? But I'll ask and say, does that make you nervous? Because you, it's a service space, you know, like a banker on the phone and uh, helping people. I, and I know one person that turned me down on a job. It was probably it was an obstacle that she couldn't go around. And, uh, and I, I knew in my heart that's what it was, but I wasn't mad. And I stayed on and I, and I kept on and I got a different job in the same bank. And within two years, I'd passed up that person in positions. And I know that we became friends and I can tell that she regretted passing up that kid. God has a way though of doing things for you and taking whatever that obstacle you have right now, because it might be different things for different ones. It probably is. But don't look the obstacle completely as like this is the end of the game. Ask the Lord, what should I take next? What am I supposed to learn in this situation? Whenever we go through a hardship, we all ask the Lord first, is like, God, do you want us to learn anything out of this? Is there something I, I want to learn so that I don't go through this mountain over and over again. Because if God wants you to learn something, you will learn it. It might be 40 years from now. If I can learn it in a week, I'd rather get, learn it with a week. And let's, let's get this going. Are you with me? With God, he would turn things around. The apostles took advantage of the situation. It allowed other people to rise. And they, they were not just successful in reaching their community. The Bible says the, peop, the believers multiplied greatly. So the kingdom of God advanced. And I think part of it is because the apostles prayed more and they were in the word more, I think people benefited more. And you know it happens in our churches all the time. In all the time where you find the pastors or a few leaders or a few people carry the Lord for everybody. It shouldn't be that way. God never designed it that way. It might be something that nobody ever recognizes that you do. But God does. God does. And I can tell you, this church is full of a lot of people like that. If you're not serving, which is my last one point here, is you need to serve people no matter what. You need to serve no matter what. Say that with me. Always serve no matter what. The solution God gives them, the solution that they find in this whole situation going is like, we need more people to serve. Not that we need to cut the program or we need, no, we need to get more people to serve. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking to them about the harvest and he says, lift up your eyes and see the harvest. And the Lord says that the harvest is plentiful. But there aren't enough laborers. There aren't enough servants. So he says, don't pray for the harvest. You ask the Lord to add more people who serve. Ask the Lord for more laborers, more workers. There's no problem with the harvest at all. He says, lift your, open your eyes and see. The harvest is plentiful, ready. But ask the Lord for more workers, more servants. Our world doesn't need more experts. Our world doesn't need more experts. Our world needs more servants. Our world doesn't need most, more, more talented and gifted uh, leaders. 
We have plenty of that. We need seven leaders. And that's a, such a scarce group of people that it's amazing whenever a servant leader pops up, we remember them forever. But all leaders should be servant leaders. We remember people like Abraham Lincoln. We remember people like Nelson Mandela. We remember all those people because they were unique. They weren't there for themselves. They were servant leaders. Our churches need servants. Our homes need servants. Jesus is the greatest among you shall be the servant of all. There's so many thankless jobs. There's so many thankless works. And if you're looking for people to thank you and to recognize all you do, although people should thank you and recognize what you do, but if they don't, serve anyway. And don't allow the enemy to corrupt that heart, the good heart that you have in helping people, be corrupted by people that are unappreciative. You keep your purity of service. Even if you get a slap in the face for doing the right thing, you keep doing the right thing. Don't, ha- let, don't let your heart be corrupted. Keep your heart pure. There's a verse that says, Serve the Lord your God with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. <laughs> I think it's really funny, because like, you can't serve the Lord even with grief, especially when you feel you're the only one pulling the Lord. And you're not getting any help around here. The only one doing the dishes and all the other ones are playing video games. You keep your servant's heart because that's where God blesses. I don't have this verse up there, but I want to read it to you. Hebrews chapter 6, you should write it down. Verse 10 says that God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the labor of love that you have shown in the way you serve his people and you continue to help. If you keep reading this name verses, he says, he goes on to say, describe the nature of God. He says, you know, people, so the writer keeps writing that, you know, people, when, when they really want to mean something, sometimes they'll swear under something to make sure that they, their word's going to be kept. He says, you know, but, 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 and he'll say in God's name, I'll say in whatever. But he says, but, 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 but God doesn't have any name greater than his name. And so when God really wants to do something and he wants to really put his word, he says he swears with his own name in that part. And he's talking about a servant. And in verse 14, he says, surely blessings, I will bless you. Surely multiplying, I will multiply you. That's a blessing that God bestows on people who serve with a pure heart. He says he blesses service. He says not just blessing. He says surely in blessing I will bless you. In multiplying I will multiply you. God swears in his own name, he says there, for people who serve. There's a poem that many of you might be familiar with, but I want to read it. It was made popular by Mother Teresa. She wasn't the original author, although many people believe she was. But change a little bit. But you know it may be. Some of you may or may not. It says that people are often unreasonable and irrational and self-centered. But forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish, of selfish ulterior motives. But be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. 
If you're honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. When you spend your years creating, what you spend your years creating, others may destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous, but be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your, and you can give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, is this, in the final analysis, it is between you and God. It will never be be between you and them. I have eight kids. And they're all young. And parenting is fun. I've graduated six through two. You know, two-year-old is a, trans, it's a, it's a graduation point in life. So six have graduated through that stage. But you know, with kids, sometimes they always try to make things even. And there's a kid that I keep teaching. said, you know, there's something you need to learn about this life. Is that people are always going to disappoint you. They're not always going to be fair. You think, oh, they weren't fair? I maybe. But you, your happiness... You need to protect to make sure that your happiness is not dependent on how people react or how they treat you. Because you'll never be happy in life. You have to find a way to be happy in the Lord always in spite of what people do. Can I hear you say people? We could be good. And the Lord's saying to us here, that the antidote, the remedy for people is not to protect yourself from being taken advantage of or whatever, is to actually serve. The only way you can be happy with people, there's seven billion of them and they're here to stay, is to serve with a pure heart. And the Lord blesses us in Hebrews 6 there says surely you keep serving my people the good, the bad and the ugly they're still my people in blessing I will bless you in multiply I will multiply you amen how many are willing to serve ready to serve amen